Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. WXME AM 780. Monticello. Holton. Presque Isle. Good morning, Aroostook County. This is the Aroostook Watchman Radio Show. This is Jack Clark, your host, coming to you live on the Constitutional Radio Network, the Conscience of Maine, live on Superstation WXME, 780 AM, and throughout the state. That's in Aroostook County, by the way. It's in a little town called Monticello, you folks that are from away. And uh, Monticello, if you look on the map, where Interstate 95, you know that road that runs from Maine to Florida? Well, it ends in Holton, and then the road goes north. <laughs> the northern part is a little wide spot in the road called Monticello, and that's where the transmitter and the station is. It's a great little place. What a picturesque spot that is in Maine. And uh, the road continues a lot further north, folks. There's a lot of There's still a lot of folks that live well past the end of Interstate 95, and uh, that's where we are. We're up here in uh, in God's country. Uh, the uh, the skies are just absolutely incredible, and the snowmobile trails uh, for about nine months out of the year are in pretty good shape. Anyway, we're coming to you live on this Constitutional Radio Network on this 10th day of January in the year of our Lord, 2015. And uh, throughout the state, we have a little transmitter network, our microtransmitters, and they are in Westbrook and the Back Bay of Portland on 88.1, in Bangor and Brewer there on 96.5, in Lewiston, 1700 AM, and around the world on the Internet. It's a crazy thing, whatever it is. I have no idea how it works. It doesn't make any sense. Sometimes it works and sometimes it don't. Uh, yesterday, I apologize, it was not working really well. I was using a different internet connection, uh, a satellite, and boy, it's neat when it works well, but it doesn't work really good when you're trying to do certain things because it bundles up the information and sends it out in kind of lumps, and apparently it was very very, uh, sketchy yesterday as we were doing the show, so sorry about that. Anyway, probably wasn't important. I was just doing a rant. Anyway, and uh, so TalkShoe.com is where we connect to this this incredible network, G-A-L-K-S-H-O-E, TalkShoe.com. You can go there and listen live, listen to any of the archive shows. Uh, between Steve and I, we have, uh, good grief, 1,500 hours of, some of them really good, some of them gaggers, some of them informative, most of them pretty good. There's shows there that are archived. You can go, no charge, they're free, they're right there, unedited. We didn't. Uh, we didn't say. Well, we shouldn't have said that. Probably. Oh, we were human. 
it's all sitting right there. So they can go and download it and crunch it all together and make it sound as bad as they want. That's just fine. Free speech, right? Okay, let's see. What else have we got to tell you? Let's start with, I think uh, I think my friend Phil Merletti is on this morning with me. Uh, we're good. Of the inauguration. Hopefully it wasn't a coronation. We'll have to see how that goes. Let's start, as is our custom, Isaiah 40.10. This is a command, not a suggestion. So, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And in Exodus 9.30, but I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord. Uh-oh, what's that? I switched phones. My battery was going dead. <laughs> okay. Well, no problem. No problem. Stuff happens. Live radio. Yes, it does. Sorry about Exodus that. Exodus 2020. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Hmm. Do not curse. This is Leviticus 19.14. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Get the picture? You getting the message? Do not fear. There is no such thing as fear. The only fear that we should have is the respectful, reverent fear of God's judgment. Okay. Apparently, uh, let's just jump right into it and see where we go, Phil. Um, you guys, I could not make it. The, the funds and the cold and all those issues just prevented me from being able to get down to uh, Disgusta for the inauguration or coronation or whatever it might have been. And, uh, but apparently it went very well. I have uh, a number of Facebook friends who are actual personal friends that I actually know them and talk to them without Facebook. And uh, they were there and said it was a great time. Uh, a lot of good people, a lot of great conversations. However, your conversations and Wayne's and Bob's and the other good folks that were there were targeted. You guys weren't just down there uh, pressing the flesh and having fun and, and yucking it up. I know that uh, you weren't down there as a pleasure trip. So welcome. Thanks for going. I appreciate you guys making the effort to be there. You and Wayne and Bob and I don't know how many others were there, but uh, apparently there was some interesting contacts remade and new ones, new ones uh, begun. Yes, you're 100% right, but uh, let me start off by saying I really feel bad that you weren't able to be there. Um, you know, we usually do things as a team, but uh, things happen, and you're right, Um you weren't able to come with us, but we we did have a good time. I didn't plan on coming down or going down there to to have that good time, but um, we we had an exceptionally good time. I I really felt good at the uh, at the inauguration. Met people uh, at the inauguration, people that we haven't seen for years. I had a young lady. At, well, she's not young anymore, but 25 years ago, uh, I I worked with her and we. She picked me right out of the crowd. That was amazing. But anyway, um, before before you go any further, let's let's set the stage here. Um, 
I know, and Bob and I had this conversation last night, and uh, Bob, I don't see you in there as being able to speak. Get get that thing on so that you can jump in here. You are a valuable part of this conversation. Oh, most definitely. Um, Roy. Um, one of the things that I think we need to do as we go along here, we can go down a list of the people, reps, lobbyists, etc., that you guys spoke to. But I suggest that we not put the name to the comments. Oh, thank you very much, because that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, right now, we're just forming uh, the, the teams. We're forming the various bills that we're hoping to, to get in there. And if we attach names to the conversations, I'm sure that as soon as this show is over, there's going to be a lot of high pressure from those above who don't want these people to affiliate themselves with us. Okay, so you had conversations with, let's just go down a list, and then we'll go and talk about some of those specifics. Right. Uh, let's see, some of the ones that I know that I talked to last night, you did meet uh, Carl Ward. He said he got a, a, um, a card from you. Uh, you did talk to Joel Stetkus. Uh, you did talk to uh, Larry Dunphy. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Well, uh, John we... Martin. You talked to John Martin. Well, um, it was a very good uh, talk that we had. As a matter of fact, he could not continue the discussion. He got so angry and could not back up his side. He he walked away uh, in, in a huff and a puff and just could not. <laughs> We're not going not, to let's not attribute let's not attribute actions oh, to names. Okay. I'm let, sorry let about tipping, that. Let Tipping Spitz and Mario Moretto figure it out. Okay. Because they will. They'll be on this like stink on poop. I'm sure they will be, but they they have to know that uh, you only give power to those who deserve it. The rest of them steal it. That's correct. Okay, so you spoke to uh, John Martin. Yes. Uh, you spoke to the governor. You spoke to Miss um, uh, Espling, I believe. Yes. Uh, uh, Justin Alfond? Yes. You spoke to Justin Alfond? Uh, <clears throat> I'd like to be able to fly on the wall for that one. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jeff McCabe. Jeff McCabe, okay. Who else? Mike Thibodeau. Oh, good. Okay. Um, Jump in there, Bob. Who else did we speak to? Uh, Danny DeVoe. Danny DeVoe. Peter Edgecombe. Peter Edgecombe, good. Jeez, I We're can't thinking. think of anybody We're thinking. The wheels are turning. We're old. We're old, folks. It takes a, takes a little while to make mm -hmm. all the wheels turn. Well, okay. Uh, and both of you and and Wayne uh, spoke to the governor. Yes, that's interesting. Uh, maybe it's a good thing I wasn't there. He's allowed to have punched me. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so, Jack. Um, I honestly believe that the governor recognizes us as as everything we've ever done with that man. He knows that we've been right up front with him. We've been honest with him. We've been truthful with him. Something more than his own staff has been. Well, we, so, we, 
the one thing we didn't do yet, and I, I, I guess we have to do this, we need to contact um, Mike Gagnon. Is it Mike? Um, yeah. What's his name? Gang, Gagnon. He's the, um, he's the now head of Maine Heritage Policy Center, and we need to get permission to talk to the governor from the Maine Heritage Policy Center. Well, believe it or not, I had a planned uh, uh, meeting with him, but um, he he needed to go out of state and uh, meet with some higher higher powered people than we are. So that that session was definitely canceled. So I wasn't able to meet with him. Huh. But I wasn't going to meet with him to get permission to meet with the governor. Uh, we don't need that permission. Well, the governor needs permission. I mean, you know, this is oh, how it well, went. This is four I years ago, four years, years ago, we got him elected, and then we didn't hear from him for two years because he got surrounded by the Maine Heritage Policy Center and the uh, the political hacks that live in the halls of Augusta and uh, locked us out. So, it took a while to get in, but uh, and we had to do it by a a very logistic, a very um, uh, lawful process called the remonstrance, and that got us in. Whether it did anything else, I don't know, but it certainly got us in, and it certainly it certainly got the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got us all. They they tried to hang us with it. So let's see. Let's go down. And you went through the the inauguration was great. There must have been lots of good food. Uh, some of my friends that were there. Um, had a great time with the with the food and the dancing, and they said that the the speeches were great and uh, all that. But you started to you guys were there to remake those contacts and get in contact with some of the new folks there. There is listen, folks, be encouraged, be encouraged. Even before uh, Phil and Wayne and, and Bob got there. I've been in contact with a number of the new reps, and I'm encouraged that some of them are actually really thinking. They're 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 looking at this, and their comments and their their suggestions are pretty close. So I'm I'm very encouraged that some of the folks that are there are actually engaged and understand that uh, we are operating so out of touch with the constitutional base. We're all so out of touch with the the law as to how we are to operate. Not the suggestions, but these are the rules. If you don't like them, you have to either change them, amend them properly, or obey them because we're not going to let you ignore them. And they're they're aware that this is what's going on. And uh, it's been an interesting. There have been some very interesting conversations, uh, Facebook and emails and. Uh, there's another one called TSU. That's a social network thing. There's some very interesting conversations going on there. So, okay, so just go down some of the conversations that we've had and uh, the the ones that you find um, the most egregious and also the ones that were very encouraging. Again, don't put names to them because the we want the, the Tipping Spitz uh, Moretto uh, attack dogs to uh, have to ask these guys, what they said, and then we'll see if what the reps say to tipping equals what they said to you. So we're going to get the uh, we're going to get it from both sides here. We'll get the tipping Spitz Moretto slant, 
And then we'll also know if these people have the courage to tell the enemy the truth. Well, maybe I could begin with uh, a discussion that I had with two of the legislative council members. And just just for the uh, listeners, um, the legislative council is made up of 10 members, and they are the most powerful people in the state of Maine, even more powerful than the governor. And most people don't understand that or know that. Well, explain. You've got to explain that a little bit. Why? Well, um, they, they, through a uh, res- resolution that created an amendment and through statutory law that was changed, um, certain people back in 1976 were able to remove the governor's executive council. This, this was a group of people who um, were, were fairly powerful in themselves, but they were kind of the, the normalization group who kept the governor from overpowering the legislature and the judicial departments, and likewise to uh, keep the judicial department and the legislative department from overpowering the governor. But very skillfully, the the laws were changed, both in the Constitution and and statutes, to remove that governor's executive council and replace them with the legislative council, which was a direct violation of Amendment 3 in the Constitution. So here we have these 10 men who have who are in the legislature, directly in the legislature, uh, high-ranking high members, who are now in that place of the executive council. So, um, Very interesting, interesting insight there. Um, one of the reasons why the governor's council was really important and so necessary uh, that, that I can see is that because of the way the main constitution was originally constructed, the governor of Maine has a lot of power and authority. And so there needed to be a check and balance in there also. And so this, this governor's committee was in there to make sure that the governor didn't get out of control mm-hmm. because the federal when they when they wrote the the, the eighteen twenty main constitution, they did give the head of the state, the governor, more authority in the state than the president of the United States was given over the the Confederation. And so they needed to have this this check on a stronger central authority than the Fed, but it's again in 1820 that was not very far removed from the original Constitution for the 13 states, the 13 yeah the 13 original colonies, and so they knew that there were some problems with the federal. And they were trying to, again, this was an experiment. These have all been experiments in, in a Republican form of government. Never been done before on the planet. These, these come from, uh, from Rome in the, and the democracy and all that. And this is just the evolution. And this was another experiment. And they knew that that governor, that they had given a greater authority Lots of authority in the in the regional constitution. It says that the governor is the supreme authority in 
the state. And so there needed to be that check and balance. So when you start messing with that, things get really out of control, don't they? They most certainly do. And, they, and, and, and just to add just one more thing to remind the people out there, there are three branches, the executive, the judicial, and the legislative. And it's very clear in the Constitution that those three branches must remain separate. There's no way we can mix those two. And by the legislative council now take, taking over, that executive council's position was a true violation of the Constitution. Separation of powers. Yes. And see, the problem is, and how we've gotten into this situation, is that there's a fourth branch of government. And it is the controlling branch. And it is the vigilant branch. And it went to sleep. And it's us. Mm -hmm. The people were not vigilant. The price of your freedom, folks, is eternal vigilance. If you are not vigilant, they will do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And then they'll say, oh, but we passed it. You voted on it. You sheeple voted on it. So it's okay because we weren't totally vigilant. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So, you talk to these so, two. so now that we've established the fact that two of the ten most powerful people in the state of Maine, uh, I spoke with two of them separately and explained to them that the legislature and the governor together are in direct violation of the Constitution by the fact that they've taken these oaths to support the U.S. in the Maine Constitution, and they said that two times and before the eyes of God, um, by by doing that oath and by not studying the constitutions and finding out how they work and what they mean, um, we felt that the legislative council, being those who are in power right now, would be able to bring us before them and before the legislature to introduce them to the constitutions and to set up some form of curriculum so that we might be able to educate them on the Constitution and on how the Constitution works and how they should be using it to create law. And believe it or not, these two uh, legislators who are part of that legislative council agreed to do just that. Oh, this is what I think about that. Yeah? What do you yes. think? Yes. <laughs> now, talk is cheap. You know, oh, wait a minute. Wait a we minute. We all know wait. talk is cheap, but we're going to... Go ahead. You talked to two of them. I believe you actually talked to a third that would be in uh, not in agreement with that. Well, is, um, is, I'm, is I, I know he wouldn't be. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a, there's a third one. You actually talked to three of them. Well, actually four of them. Ah, okay. So it's going to get more interesting, folks. Yes. Pay attention. Uh, now, the, <laughs> the, the, the two that I spoke to who were in, in agreement, or at least they, they said they were in agreement. Um, that's 20%. They, they agreed to the fact that something needs to be done to bring the Constitution back to the state of Maine. Both of them agreed that the legislators do need to know the Constitution in order to go forward. What so, a weird concept. And, and, and it most certainly is. 
But the the other two, and and and, and I think this needs to be mentioned. Um, Bob and I have talked about this many a times, and so have you. That these doors open to us by the grace of God. We were standing outside of one of these committee rooms, watching it fill up, and we're trying to think: Why would a committee be be meeting on the very first day at, at this level? And we read what the sign said outside the room, and it was the very first meeting of the Legislative Council. Oh, I thought it was going to be the restroom. No, well, that that was used quite often, too. (laughs) Uh, But I wasn't keeping contact with that one. But anyway, um, Bob and I walked right in there, knowing that uh, we're walking into the true den of thieves. Okay, so you walked in, you snuck in the back door. No, no, we we went right in with the rest of the legislators. As a matter of fact, we went right up to the front row and sat down. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And um, they must have turned green. Well, there were several um, people who leaned over whispering, and I'm sure uh, they weren't just talking about things that the public needed to hear, but um, they were... the telephone they, game. Yeah, they, they were... They were uh, playing the telephone game, yep. just for fun. They so, had nothing else to do. So they were uh, they were le- leaning over each other, and I'm sure that they were saying to each other, oh my, there's the representatives to We the People of Maine, Inc. Um, during the first uh, day at the inauguration and at the inauguration ball... Plus that day of walking around the legislative halls, the people got to know uh, Bob Roy, who is our Rooster County representative for We the People of Maine, Inc., and here I am, one of the co-directors of the uh, corporation, sitting in the front row, letting them know that we are there with only one intent, bringing that constitution into the legislative halls. Stop but anyway, right there. Okay. Stop right there. This is the key, people. Do you understand? This is not about Bill and Bob and Wayne and I. This is about showing up and letting them know that they're being watched. If you do it, it will change. If you don't, what you have is what you're going to get. So here's the deal. We need people to commit to not being down in Augusta once a week or even once a month. It's impossible. It's just the logistics are just too difficult. But you can participate. You can help with the, the funding because it costs money to do it, a lot of money. You can help by making phone calls. You can help by sending out emails, notifications. You can help by, if there's enough of us, if you went down to Augusta twice a year, it would make an impact. If there's five or 600 or 1,000 that commit to doing it on a regular schedule, you'd only have to do it a couple times a year, and you'd get to go down and have breakfast at the governor's and stuff. Come on, people. It's going to take some effort. This is not a freebie, but you can see that all you have to do is be there. You walk in, you sit in the front row, and... They swallow hard because the people are watching, because you people are the authority. They are not. 
They are merely agents of yours. You have hired them. They are agents. And if they war against the Constitution, you have recourse against them. And they know it. Show up or shut up. Okay. Two, two things, Jack, um, and, and, and to, to attach that to what you're saying. Um, yes, when they see us, they don't see Jack McCarthy or Wayne Leach or Bob Roy or Phil Merlin. They see the Constitution. That's right. That's exactly what they see is the Constitution. And the more people who join with us, who walk the halls, when they see those new people or people that they know already who have joined us, they will see the Constitution. Now, the people have got to realize that all these years, these legislators have been very blatant. During their committee meetings, they have had no problem at all in, in verbalizing the fact that, yeah, they don't, they don't follow the Constitution. Why should we follow the Constitution? And many a times... I've had legislators say that. I've had legislators say it doesn't matter what the Constitution says. Um, if my constituents don't want me to do that, then, then that's the way it's going to be. And you really can't tell whether their constituents have ever really told them to do the, do the horrible things they do. But this is what they've been, is they've been blatant. But if we can get our people into as many of these committee meetings as possible, they are going to have to stop being blatant. They're going to have to stop doing business as usual. They're going to have to stop um, blasting the Constitution and the people who back it up. Things are going to change, and this is why we need people, who, when they walk the halls, the first thing these legislators are going to see is, oh, no, the Constitution is walking down the hall. That's it. That's it. It's not about this is, I like this bill. Please endorse this bill. I want this law passed to support my business model. No, people, that's not what we're there for. And you know it, and they know it, and that's why they tremble. But anyway, be that as it may, um, I'm going to recontact the four people that I spoke to. As a matter of fact, I'm going to contact all ten of them and um, request that I be placed onto the next agenda, or one of us is placed on the next agenda, to give this proposition and proposal, and I'm going to send it to them a little bit early, with the caveat that they may uh, drill us in front of them. I mean, three old men, four old men, how many old men we are, we come before them not afraid of, of them ridiculing us or making fun of us or putting a tin hat, because we have the answers. And they realized, as a matter of fact, one of the discussions I had with one of the legislative counselors was just that. And I said, why would we come before you unless, and that legislative council member said, unless you people know more than we do. So at least that one council member knows that we do have the answers. And we're not patting ourselves on the back by, by knowing this information more than they do. But we have studied it, and they haven't, and that is the key, and that's what we're trying to do is to get them to understand it too. And the one, the one uh, name, if you will, that I would really like to tag on here, um, you witnessed a swearing-in ceremony of a constitutional office, correct? Yes. Um, well, one of them we didn't witness, but one of them that we did witness was the treasurer. That's an important position, 
And it is a constitutional office, correct? Mm, correct. Well, we got a problem here, folks. And who who administered the uh, oath? Oh, it was Paul Page himself, the governor. Which makes me just a little extra nervous. What happened when you spoke to the aforementioned treasurer? Well, uh, right after the swearing-in ceremony, and we were no more than 10 feet away from both the governor and the treasurer, they both knew that we were there in the, the outer wing. And uh, when it was over, I, I went up to her and I I uh, introduced myself and handed her the our, our card and asked her, um, well, I said to her, I just witnessed you giving the oath uh, two times uh, before the eyes of God. And um, I'm wondering if, if uh, you ever read the Constitution before you took that oath. And she kind of hemmed and hawed a bit, and she says, well, no. And I said, well, how can you uh, give an oath to the Constitution if, if you haven't read it? How do you know how to support it? And she says, I don't need to know. I just need to know how to do my job. <laughs> and and it, it kind of threw me back when she said that, and, and I came right back to her, and I said, look, we could hire any accountant that we want to, to know how to do that job, but you maintain a constitutional office, and by maintaining that constitutional office, you had to give two oaths before the eyes of God, and you very clearly said you you uh, I very clearly said to you that you know you needed to support the Constitution in order to do that. You had to read read the Constitution, and she says I'm no longer speaking to you. I've got things to do, and she walked away. Ah. So all so she the page. The constitutional governor swore in a constitutional officer who absolutely rejects the concept of of living according to and operating according to the oath that she just swore to the constitution. Two I'm nine. confused. Well, <laughs> uh, I, I'm confused too, uh, unless she didn't realize the position that she was taking. Uh, very really? Few people She's taking the position that. of treasurer, the secretary, the secretary treasurer of the state of Maine, and she doesn't <laughs> know the position she's taking. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Anybody home? You know, you just mentioned the secretary of state. We met with uh, the secretary of state before he went in behind closed doors to receive Uh-oh. to receive his oath or to take his oath. Now, some, something is definitely wrong there, because, uh, and, and I want to be, uh, be accusatory to anyone, but, you know, when, when somebody does something behind closed doors, that right away sends up a flag, and, and the average person, that does it, even the third grader would say, well, wait a minute, well, why are you doing this behind closed doors? Yeah, where now, are you hiding from? Yeah. Or what? What are you doing there? Are you even taking the oath? Because we don't know if he really took the oath. But um, be, before the Secretary of State went into, um, before he went in to take the oath or give the oath, um, both Bob and I spoke to him, and and I said to him, um, "Gee, Matt, you're going to be taking the oath again. Last time we spoke." You knew that we created a corporation because you are the Secretary of State. We met with you, discussed this issue more than once, 
and um, you're the one where we get the constitutions from, and um, it would seem to me that maybe now you've read that constitution. And he says, no. So here we go again. We've got a constitutional officer who, and, and then at that time one of his people saved him, and they, and they, they said, uh, the governor needs to see you now to give you the oath. So he says, Phil, I have to leave. So there he goes. Um, and, and, and I'm standing there thinking to myself what he just said. He's the Secretary of State. He's got that power of the constitutional authority, the, the office. Um, his office is the one that hands out the uh, constitutions. We went there that day just to receive our fourth, fourth um, case of constitutions. And um, he didn't read the Constitution. Gary. Yeah. We also have multiple statements by this man, the who is currently the Secretary of State, um, Matthew Dunlap. And, I mean, it's published information, published uh, comments, and he does understand the constitutional authority. He does understand the Fourth Amendment. He does understand the Fifth Amendment. And he really does understand the Second Amendment. But when push comes to shove, he's siding with the corporation. That's I, I believe problem. you're right, Jack. Now, this guy understands it. In the conversations that we had with him in public or in our, our private, our private uh, conversations, he obviously understands. In his conversations that are, are, on, um, that are published, in multiple uh, news accounts over the last 10 years, he obviously understands. But he chooses, in his official capacity, to side with the corrupt corporate structure. Mr. Dunlap, what's the matter with this picture? I either have rights or I have privilege, and they are not used interchangeably, sir, and you know that. We either have rights given by God, not from some piece of paper written in secret. We have rights or we have privilege. You want privilege, folks? Go for it. They can take it. If they can give it, they can take it. Mm-hmm. And he understands very well the difference between rights and privileges, but he uses the, those terms interchangeably in legal documents that put people in jail. There we go. Let's do it. Okay. Anyway, that's, that's, my, that's my take on the Secretary of State's office. Next. Well, before we leave the Secretary of State's office, there's been many opportunities, I'm sure, that it would have taken very much to have picked up that telephone after we spoke to him, knowing that our corporation that he helped us form had one mission, and that was to bring the Constitution back to the state of Maine. And him realizing that he does have that position, he could have picked up that phone at any time either call you or Wayne or me and or the three of us and say, you know, guys, you really opened my eyes. No one here knows or understands the Constitution. Let's do something about that. Now, if we don't have the time yet to set up a proper curriculum for the legislature and the governor and all these other positions, can you at least spend some time with me? 
we've got this nice office space with these nice comfortable chairs. Um, can you teach me what and you people know? And a bearskin rug. And a bearskin rug. Yeah. Well, I wasn't about to lay on it nude, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That, well, that's that's a bad picture. <laughs> you better this. But but anyway, he he had that opportunity at any time to call us up and say, guys, um, you really convinced me that we we've got to start and establish certain uh, procedure here to to uh, get the people here in Maine or the legislators here in Maine all on board. You're 100% right. He had that time, and he well, never took did, that opportunity. Did get that, you did get that kind of message from a couple of the folks that you talked to on Thursday, I believe. Yes. Okay, so let me propose this. If we actually had the opportunity to um, bring a constitutional curriculum course instruction, whatever you want to call it, to a joint session of the legislature, I propose that we bring in an outside expert because the watchman is, is never accepted in his home court. Mm-hmm. So let's bring in Michael Bednarik <laughs> or Jeff Lewis. And these people are respected national figures. And if they had the opportunity to actually address and give a course to a full legislature, either of them would do it in a heartbeat. They're Mm -hmm. good men. Wouldn't that be a hoot? Michael Badnarik instructs the main legislature on constitutional governance. Wow! Put some pressure on them, people. That's the only way it's going to happen. Wouldn't that be a hoot? It sure would be. But um, to tell me if I'm wrong here, their expertise is in the U.S. Constitution. Right. Um, I know of no, no more than four of us, maybe five of us in the state of Maine, who know and understand the Constitution, the Maine Constitution, it would be kind of hard to go outside the state of Maine to get that credibility. And besides, I don't think that they think we're not creditable. They know we're creditable, so I don't think that there would be a problem there in setting up a curriculum for the Maine Constitution. I, w- and, I would still love to have that Narek there. Oh, yes, on the U.S. Constitution. I, oh, yeah, and I, I, I'll I, tell you what. I'm settled with that. If Michael thought for one minute that he was going to get to address the entire legislature of a state, it would take him about five seconds to bone up on Maine history, Maine constitution. Mm -hmm. That would be, that's what he does. That's all he does. That's his job in life. That's his his goal in life, to restore the republic state by state. Uh, He would do it in a minute. But anyway, it would be kind of fun. Yes, it would be. But uh, that's the other reason why we met with the Legislative Council, because it is they who are the ones who decide. Like I said, they're the ten most powerful men in the state of Maine. It is these ten people who decide what type of information comes into the legislative halls. Uh, They they pick and choose who's going to be on the committees, who's going to be the chair, the co-chair, uh, what bills are coming in, what resolves are coming in. They even have the power, and I cannot prove this, but I've had legislators tell me that they've been contacted saying that this bill is expected to pass, 
this bill is expected to not pass. So the power comes right out of that legislative hall or the legislative council's room. So this is the reason why we went into the heart and soul, right into the lion's den, to let them know that they are the ones who pick and choose the information that comes in, and we're there to help them get that information into the halls. And that's why we went there. Well, that's uh, it's all very encouraging. Again, it's not going to happen, though, if the people don't get involved. No. I'm not driving back and forth to Augusta if it's just the three or four of us. We're, 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 we're just spinning our wheels. It's got to have, we got to have, and, and Governor LePage, um, last year when we were having our, our um, sovereign citizen domestic terrorist talks with the governor, he asked numerous times, how many are you? you know, what, 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 kind of, how, what kind of groups do you represent? Because it's numbers. It is numbers. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. The right and wrong play a much smaller role than numbers. These people are all numbers people. If they think, and this is why, this is why it's so important for a unified, organized effort so that they see new faces on the front seat in that committee room every time they meet. A few new faces every time they meet handing out their Constitution card, they'll know that they're being watched. And it's going to take more than the four of us. We just can't do it ourselves. It's just physically, logistically impossible. We need some help. Phil, what do you think? Uh, right this minute, let's, going to take a, let's take a short pause here, and uh, we'll let the people have some information on We the People of Maine, Inc. All right. Um, you want to start it off or you want me? Here we go. It's on. Hang okay. on. We, the people of Maine Incorporated, is now a formal Maine nonprofit corporation. We, the incorporators, did not do this for our benefit, but for the defense, benefit, and welfare of all the Maine people through a continual vigilance of government at all levels by our network of trained monitors. Like most corporations, we have a structure similar to the standard for-profit corporations consisting of the required officers, treasurer, secretary, as well as a research team, writers, monitors, a webmaster, lawyer, media consultants, event coordinators, and recruiters. The corporation will be supported by dues-paying memberships and donations from the people of Maine according to their ability to do so. It will have state, county, and municipal coordinators and a working, supportive team membership. Monies received from the membership will not be spent on salaries or wages, but on expenses such as travel, lodging, food, office supplies, advertisements, etc. Other than those who are mentioned above, the working membership will be made up of at least two representatives from each of the 16 counties and at least two members from each city, town, and plantation. We will require a team of trained and experienced monitors to examine legislative bills, municipal ordinances and warrants, attend hearings in the various committees, and lobbyist activities. 
We will need knowledgeable people to analyze legislative bills for their constitutionality and others who are able to write bills and are willing to work as liaisons to the legislature. We will need approximately 600 people to effectively establish our working model. Government at all levels is out of control, and the root of this problem is because the main constitution was skillfully destroyed or weakened by deceptive and repugnant resolves that led to amendments that misinformed and deceived the people of Maine. This same process was used to amend and create public law. This is where you, the people of Maine, enter the picture. Many of us have tried to do this individually and by combining our efforts with another group or organization. Either way, we have been thwarted and beaten back by the concerted efforts of the governor, the legislature, the bureaucrats and their government agencies, and sadly enough, even by the political parties and their leadership. We have pondered various methods of using the constitutions of the United States and Maine to open doors and break through barriers never before done in the past, but we were forced to return to the starting line every time. We have now found what we believe to be the battering ram, a structure that will bring the Maine people back to the forefront as our founding fathers intended, but it is going to take an effort from the people of Maine. We believe we need to place all independent patriotic people, their groups and associations under one umbrella corporation, identified by its true name and identification, we the people of Maine. By reading or listening this far, you now know that we have incorporated and it is our intent to bring every constitutionally minded individual, group, organization, and association together as a synergistic force to return Maine to its constitution and our government back to work for the defense, benefit, and welfare of the people of Maine. Please do not let this effort slip through your fingers. Yes, it may take your time, energy, and money, but we encourage you to look at this as the beginning of an effort that should be easy if we all come together and move forward as a unified force. The power of the people is guaranteed by our founding documents, the Declaration, and the Constitutions. Please contact us by mail at We the People of Maine, 70 East Palmer, P-A-L-M-E-R Road, in Winslow, W-I-N-S-L-O-W, Maine, zip code 04901, or you can find us at our website, wethepeopleofmaine.org, or you can send an email to wethepeopleofmaine.gmail.com. We the people of Maine, by the people, of the people, for the people.
live and uh, on the air. Well, Wayne, what do you think? Wayne, it's not Wayne. Phil, sorry. Oh, uh, that still brings tears to my eyes. Uh, Which? Say again? Which one brings tears to your eyes, Bonanza? Oh, yeah, Bonanza. No, um, I, I, I still am, am very hopeful that the people understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and we need their help. And I just hope that they can take this to heart. Well, it's going to take a joint effort. Uh, like it, it just it just doesn't happen automatically. No. We have to have a concerted effort, and it needs to be organized. Just showing up periodically and saying, hey, you've got to do this, it doesn't work. It has to be consistent. It has to be organized, and that takes some structure, and that takes some effort, and that takes more than the three or four or five or six of us. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, we can do it. The four of us could do it very easily if enough people, well, now you're going to think I'm crazy, but this, I know that this would work. If enough people would pledge just 1%, of their after-tax income, they could hire, fund, however you want to put it, the four of us to be able to do this on a consistent, regular basis. So you can either put some effort into it or you can put some money into it, either way, and it would work. But we can't do it alone. The point is, it's not about us. It's about getting the job done. So we can do it if it's funded, or you can all participate and do it and spread the cost around, spread the effort around. We cannot do this alone. Somebody was poked, somebody poked in there and wanted to say something. So, Bob. Yeah, I'm still here. You're there. I had to redo my chat here. Just jump jump in there, mister. I mean, you, you were down there with, with Phil. You walked the halls. What's your impression of the whole thing? I know you had a good time. I know you were encouraged, but uh, we're also we're also smart enough and old enough to know that all that glitters ain't gold. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was kind of interesting, and I came up with an impression that uh, those folks down there who are not lawyers are more apt to talk to us, and maybe. Those that are lawyers, by their own commitment to the bar, whatever, uh, they don't dare listen to us very long because they might hear something that might, I don't know, put them in jeopardy. And I well, sense I sense that with uh, one of the folks that we met with the uh, uh, legislative council. Uh, I'm quite sure this person is not a lawyer. And we found her quite uh, receptive. And uh, I just came back with that. Uh, we dealt with uh, a former member of the Legislative Council that would barely talk to us, and we know he's a lawyer. So it's it's kind of interesting how the, the attorney-a-lawyer-bar situation has a great impact on the whole show here. Isn't it interesting that that's the divide? Yeah, it creates a divide. 
Well, one of the little comments I was in, engaged in some of the folks uh, on in one of the chats on uh, constitutional carry, and they were debating the nuances of what that means. And I said, wait a minute, we seem to forget that constitutional carry is the law. It's not doesn't need to be enacted as law. It is the law. The problem is there. it's being overlaid by repugnant color of law. The bar club members are laughing at us because they know how corrupt they have made the state. <laughs> Do they get it? They understand. They know that Article 1, Section 16 is very very plain and that is the law but they overlay that law with a repugnant color of law and you have criminals in the executive enforcing it I just opened up a, a little pocket constitution here that I created with uh, one of the handbooks that goes to the legislators and says every citizen has the right to keep and bear arms and this right shall never be questioned. That's what it says. You know, if I could jump in here for one second, uh, listening to you talking about this reminds me of uh, an incident that happened down in Washington County where a gentleman was exercising his right to open carry. And um, a lady saw him carrying the gun and got all shook up, called the police, and saying that she witnessed a man walking down the street with a gun. Well, the police responded right away, and um, they saw the person with the gun on his hip, did not approach him. He went into his vehicle and then took off his firearm and went into, I believe it was a dentist's office. Knowing that he was going to have to be sitting for a while and didn't want to bring it into the office, he left it in his vehicle. Little knowing that there's a law, a statutory law that was created that says that people who um, don't have a concealed carry permit, when they place a firearm in the car, that firearm must be in plain view but the ammunition must be separated into a different compartment that is locked so that the ammunition and the firearm cannot be uh, considered one unit. So this person put the gun in his glove compartment, went into the dentist, came back out again. The uh, police stopped him at that time, questioned him, which was illegal, uh, because you shall not be questioned, according to the Constitution, and uh, when the policeman asked to see the firearm, of course, the guy uh, complied with the request. He showed the firearm, and the policeman says, you're under arrest for violating code so-and-so, so-and-so number. And um, now the man is a felon because he followed the Constitution with open carry, but because of the statutory laws that were created on top of that, uh, now the man's been arrested, and now he's a felon. Isn't that something? Well, let's see now. That's very interesting. Um, did you see the article on the felon that uh, Mr. Standish, the lawyer, 
That's very interesting. Hey, you know, hang on a second, Phil. If you'll carry on for just a minute, I got something I got to do here. Yes. Um, this this is what happens when we have a constitutional law. The the uh, legislators have a tendency to diminish these type of laws by creating these statutory laws. Now, it's very clear um, in, in a case called Horatio versus California. I could give you the numbers, but that wouldn't mean anything. But the maxim that came out of that was that the state cannot diminish the rights of the people. So if you have a constitutional law that says something, how can a state come along and change it? Another maxim from a uh, Supreme Court law, California versus the U.S., I won't give you the numbers on that, but the, the Constitution is the written instrument. As such, it, its meaning does not alter that which is meant, that which it meant when it was adopted, it means now. So if a person is following the Constitution, they should not be arrested, they should not be accosted, they should not be questioned by the police department if they're following along with constitutional secured rights. So here we have this gentleman who uh, who is stopped, and now he can no longer own a firearm, and it all stemmed from one person who was all shook up because, oh my God, this man's carrying a firearm down the street, and a policeman who knew who knew this was a person who was following the Constitution, but yet he exercised the statutory law that was created. Now, who's the criminal? Yeah, really. Really, you have to think about that. Who's the oathbreaker? Sorry, who is the oathbreaker here? It's the policeman. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, whether he understood it or not, it doesn't matter. The idea that I was just following orders didn't work at Nuremberg either. Here's a here's an interesting article. Let's uh, let's do a quick station break. We're uh, this is the Constitutional Radio Network, the Conscience of Maine. We're coming to you live on 780 AM WXME in Monticello. It's 9:02. Uh, we're going to continue on for a couple minutes if you guys want to. Um, anybody? Any objections? No objection from me. We left uh, we left it open for some of the other folks to come in as they chose uh, with some of the reps. Apparently, none of them really wanted to go on air this morning, so that's okay. It's okay. No, I it respect that, and I know why. Of course, I understand. I understand. Um, Standish lawyer who was subject of judge's gag order accused of violating protection order. Did you see this article? Very interesting in the uh, Bolshevik Deadly Novosti, and uh, that's cute. My uh, my computer just went completely blank. Let's see if it reloads. Uh, Dottie sent me this, and look at this, the whole blooming thing. All the words are blanked out. That's very, very interesting. I wonder, I wonder who's doing that. What the heck? That's really weird. Okay, I'll... Uh, I'll try and load that again and see what happens. There's a, this is really weird. There's a lawyer who was in deep, deep trouble. I mean, this is this was not a good thing. Uh, okay, I got it here. 
And uh, I won't go to the site because apparently the uh, website is blanked out. That's very interesting. A Standish lawyer who was the focus of a controversy earlier this week when a Portland district judge imposed a gag order on reporters covering his court appearance was arrested. The, the lawyer, the Standish lawyer, was arrested Friday after he allegedly violated a protection order that prevented him from seeing his children. Ah, the plot thickens, eh? Anthony J. Sineni, Sini? S-I-N-E-N-I, the third, was arrested at Edna Libby School in Standish, where at least one of his children attends school, blah, 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 blah. He's charged with violating the protection from abuse order and violating the conditions of his release after his arrest last fall on assault and disorderly conduct charges. On Monday, Sanini had pleaded guilty to misdemeanor accounts of assault and disorderly conduct as part of a plea agreement with prosecutors from the Maine Attorney General's office, that would be Janet Mills, a misdemeanor count of domestic violence assault, as well as three counts of witness tampering and a possession of a stolen gun charge. All of these are felonies were dismissed by the court. Hello? Mm. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We can fine you, put you in jail for operating as is your right to operate an automobile on the highways and byways of this country. We can take away, we can put you in jail, but this lawyer has his charges dismissed, three significant felony charges. Witness tampering, possession of a stolen anything, but in particular a stolen gun, really dismissed. No problem. Thanks, Janet. We really appreciate that. Just sticking up for the good old boys, eh? And she had no right doing that. No, she had no right doing that. As part of the deferred disposition deal reached, the misdemeanor counts to which Sinelli pleaded guilty were to be expunged from his record within two years if he was a good little boy and kissed the ring. Wait a minute. What happened here? Benini and his former girlfriend have accused the, each other of physical and emotional abuse during their 11-year relationship. The couple have three children, two together, and one from the former girlfriend's prior relationship. That's some convoluted yahoo. According to the news release, the sheriff's office received a complaint. Mm. So how does this happen? How does this happen? Come on, folks. This guy is in possession of a stolen gun. I'm sure he had a concealed weapons permit to carry a stolen gun. Hello? How screwed up can we get? But they will find Gary or me hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars for operating as is our right, according to the Secretary of State, 
who agrees that the driver's license has become not anything to do with driving, not anything to do with public safety, but an international identification and tracking device. But this guy gets a pass because he's a lawyer. Mm-mm. Thank you, Janet Mills, Maine's distinguished attorney general. Did you take an oath, Janet? Hello? Anybody home out there? And you wonder why we're fighting this fight, people? You wonder why we're engaged here? This guy could be this guy could be innocent as the new blown snow. I don't know him from Adam. But to to for him to have his these cases dismissed by the court is absolutely repugnant to use a word. I just I just find it hard to wrap my brain around how stupid this could be. And now that this court has deemed this, we cannot go back after him again for that. Ah, double jeopardy. Double jeopardy. So even if the judge makes a mistake, and later on he says, oh my God, I made a mistake, I realize now of of the problems that I created, and there are many problems, and there are direct violations of the Constitution, but I made a mistake, so he's okay. Yep. Amazing. Oh, amazing. Absolutely. Okay, so where do we go from here? Well, um, well let me just say this. Um, many of the legislators that I've spoken to that I have never done before, plus some of them that I have over these past two days, we had mentioned that um, – We've painstakingly looked at a lot of the problems that are in the state house and in the rejection of the Constitution that we've come up with almost 40, 40 bills and resolves and or bill or resolves that we think should go into the legislative halls over these next two years. And several of the legislators said to us that there are more legislators now who are thinking like they are, like we are, and that they would be more than willing to sponsor and co-sponsor the, the bills and resolves that we're planning on bringing through. As a matter of fact, one of the Democrat legislators that we spoke to is planning on putting in two bills, which we uh, are two of the bills that, that we were looking at, and that was the Food Sovereignty Bill, and uh, I, I said to him, Do you, would you like to attach the milk along with that, because milk is a food. And just to remind the people who are listening right now, when Farmer Brown uh, was in court trying to save his farm and his livelihood and to give the people their right to purchase milk from from anybody in the state of Maine who, who has milk, um, the judge said, and get a load of this, the judge said, that milk is not a food. Now, the legislator who said he would very well uh, entertain the idea of putting the food sovereignty bill in on food, but also to include the milk. And he says the reason why milk is separated from from the food sovereignty bill last time and and, um, all other times is because the federal government looks at milk as a toxic substance. 
Could you imagine uh, a mother feeding her child uh, breast milk or milk purchased from the store or however it comes that this is a toxic liquid? My God, I can't. I'm trying to to look at that illusion there. Wrap wrap your brain around that just a little bit. In the extreme, again, we always say, well, that's just extreme. Well, then they would never do that. Really? They would never, they promised that they would never give you a ticket for not wearing a seatbelt. It was just a public safety issue. Now, really, they didn't, they didn't really do that. Now, in Bangor, you can't drive your automobile with kids in it and smoke a cigarette. I agree that that's pretty stupid, but they made a law. And you can be stopped, fined, arrested? Really? So if milk is a toxic liquid, in the extreme, because some ruled, some moron ruled that it's a toxic liquid, in the extreme, they could charge you with abuse mm-hmm. for giving your kid a glass of milk. How nuts. How absolutely insane are we going to allow this to get, folks, before somebody says, I'm done with this. I will not comply. When are we going to stop this, folks? Mm-hmm. You, better, you better be prepared to answer because this is coming to you. This is not one of those situations where it's an abstract down the road. It's going to affect somebody else, not me. You know, how's that go? When they when they came for the Jews, I wasn't a Jew, so I didn't say anything. When they came for the 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 newspaper, whatever, I didn't. When I came for me, there was nobody left to defend me. Come on, people, let's get let's get with the program. Milk. Okay, we're going to put milk now into the food sovereignty bill. That's good. I know who you're talking about. I've had multiple conversations with that uh, that Democrat. Uh, I like him. He's an interesting guy. I've had a lot mm-hmm. of good conversations with him. Um, but we do disagree on a few items. Uh, we won't go into that. But I'm glad he's doing that. And um, maybe, maybe we can bring him along. That would be great. Well, I, I somewhat trust him, um, whereas before I didn't know him from, from a hole in a wall, but just started a discussion with him. And I, I, I think he is, is uh, one that uh, we might be able to, to work with. Now, I probably, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, I met with a lot of legislators, uh, new and uh, reelected. I think this year here, and I'm really encouraged because I have not even gotten into meeting with or discussing any of these issues other than just emailing the newly elected legislators, both in the Senate and the the House. But as I look over a lot of the bills and resolves that we're planning on getting through over the next uh, two years, if we were really to apply these to the Constitution – all these do is bring it, bring it back to the Constitution, which means either a repugnant bill was created to take away these rights or these rights were ignored. So if we can prove to the legislature and to the governor that these bills and resolves were created in violation to the Constitution 
and to label them as repugnant, we can go right back to the original uh, Supreme Court decisions of Mayberry versus Mar uh, Mayberry versus Madison, or is it Marbury? I forget. Marbury. Marbury, Marbury versus Madison, yep. which very, very clearly state that any law that is created that is repugnant to the U.S. Constitution is null. Now, if that's the case, the legislature and the governor, if they can get together, they don't even need to make legislative changes. They are automatically null. Which brings there would have us to be a hearing. There would have to be a hearing to make sure that they understood and could prove that these were unconstitutional. As mm -hmm. soon as they. Hello? Never existed. I think we lost you there. Could you repeat that one more time? We. They, 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 they would have to prove that the the law was unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. They don't have to repeal it. All they have to do is show that it is unconstitutional. At that point, it's, it's, it's gone. It doesn't have to be anything. It is as if it never existed. Now, Jack, in order to do that, something would have to be created that had teeth and the authority to deem that, or at least to be able to bring forth evidence, facts and figures, dates, whatever, uh, that these were created repugnant. And um, you and I have talked about this. Wayne has, has talked about this. We're looking at two possibilities. The first one is, is to revamp the Government Oversight Committee. Now, just for the uh, listeners there, the Government Oversight Committee, and just That's think about that for a second, Government Oversight Committee is in existence at this present time. However, it is jammed and loaded with legislative council members, with lawyers, and people who belong to a group who brings forth bills from corporations called ELEC. So now we have the Government Oversight Committee supposedly overseeing the government, filled with legislators who definitely are not constitutionally minded. Our, our resolve is to remove the language that allows the legislators to be on that government oversight committee and create a, it could even be done as a statute, to fill the positions on that government oversight committee with people from the local communities. It would just take one elected person from each county. It would be a 16-member panel of people who are not legislators who would now oversee the government. These and not people, lawyers. Right. These people cannot or, or, or would, would not be influenced by the legislature. They would be totally independent to them, hopefully. And they would have the ability to oversee the, the, the government and also look into these repugnant bills and, and uh, resolves. And to put the frosting on the cake, it would not take much to prove that the law that was created in 1976 and the resolve that became an amendment in 1976 to remove the governor's council, we can do this on emergency 
and get the governor back his seven-member council, and between the seven council members and between the government oversight committee, we can begin a process to start removing these repugnant laws and resolves that became amendments. It would take a slow process, but it can be done. And these would be the people now who would have the authority and the teeth to do it. That's the problem. Again, folks, we, we need to constantly, and I, I'm just as guilty as anyone. <clears throat> when there's a, a discussion that comes up about an issue, I am right inclined to jump in on whichever side is the good side, the right side, the moral side, the, the constitutional side. But when we do that, we first have to know whether the, the subject matter is part of the jurisdiction of the government. If it's not in their jurisdiction, then it doesn't matter whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. If they pass a law, good law, beneficial law, great idea over which they have no jurisdiction, and then we debate it, we're nuts. We have just given our tacit approval to an unconstitutional usurpation of authority. So when we start talking about a balanced budget, a balanced budget amendment, really? We're using unconstitutional Federal Reserve notes, but it's okay because we've been doing that for 101 years. So just ignore the law and debate about whether our budget is going to be balanced with unlawful currency. It used to say it on its face. This note is legal tender for all debts, public and private, and is redeemable in lawful currency at any Federal Reserve Bank or the United States Treasury. So we're going to debate a balanced budget using unlawful currency. Same holds true with education. How's that go, Phil? We're going to debate whether the schools are going to do this or that. We're going to debate whether the schools are going to get this much money from the state government or not. The law says that the towns, that the legislature shall require the towns at their own expense to provide for a public education. So it every is time, always local control. That's, that's what right. we're looking for. But they, they override us. They override the local control with the big carrot and the stick. If you don't eat the carrot... We're going to beat you with the stick. Mm. We have to go back to the law. Because as soon as, like I was engaged with a conversation with, uh, with Chris Dixon uh, yesterday on Facebook, and they're talking about some of the, the political stuff and being um, engaged in the um, school systems, being on school boards. Okay, I'm all in favor of that. But then they started to talk about revenue sharing. Wait a minute. Yep. You can't do that. Revenue sharing is against the law because the law says the legislature shall require the towns to provide for a public education at their own expense. You don't like that? That works for me. Change it. 
But that's what it says, and by golly, that's what it says. Anyway, okay, we're uh, we're coming down to the bottom of the hour. Two last comments, and I think we'll uh, we'll sign off at uh, the bottom of the hour. That's in about seven minutes, guys. <clears throat> well, I, I just want to say that I'm really encouraged uh, with the 127th legislature because we're we're we've only started the very first day uh, while we walk the halls. And um, already we have legislators who do recognize us as supporters of the Constitution. They they see us. They see the Constitution. I'm I uh, I, I, I can't uh, be any happier to to that fact. Number two is we have newly elected legislators who I've spoken to prior to the election and have sent out information after the election, these people could not believe that the legislature doesn't use the Constitution. They know we're out here right now. And before they get gobbled up by either the Democrat Party or the Republican Party and start getting this pressure, we need to get back to them again and and keep them focused to the fact that we're here for them. We're not here to overpower them. We're not here to change their mind on anything. They've given their oath now, and I think they realize that they need that help. But we need that help, too, because the four of us cannot do it. We need to get people to be active in our corporation. It's very clear that the reasons for the corporation is not like the reasons for other corporations. We are the only corporation that is supporting the Constitution and supporting the concept that we need to bring back both the U.S. and Maine constitutions to the legislative halls and to the governor, too. Everyone needs to be marching to that same step. I'm tired of hearing about people reaching across the aisle and and there's gridlock. The only reason why there's gridlock is that they're not using the Constitution. They could complain about how they want to uh, create new law, but they can't argue the point that that the law is unconstitutional or the law is constitutional. That law has got to be constitutional. So I'm going to end it at that point there. Um, if, if you want to put a caveat on that, Jack, but that's what we're all about. We need the help. Please do that for us. Well, you're right. The whole thing revolves around, the whole, the whole concept revolves around the oath that's taken to support that. When you take an oath, when these, whether you're a policeman, whether you're a county commissioner, whether you're a legislator, the governor, the treasurer, secretary of state, when you take an oath, you're not taking an oath to a party, people. You're not taking an oath to some, some vague concept. This is black ink on white paper. It's written. It's engraved in stone. It can be changed, but it can't be ignored. When they take an oath, when we, I, you, I've taken an oath, and by golly, there was no expiration date on it. When you take an oath, be careful. They should be warned that taking this oath and then living, operating, working contrary to it 
is a criminal offense, people, a lot of people would be a little less eager to take that oath. Maybe they'd think about it before they took that oath. If they knew there was a possibility of jail time for violating that oath. Well, That's believe it or not, Jack, I don't mean to interrupt you, but one of the bills that we want to put in there is that if you violate the Constitution, you will be prosecuted. That's one of the bills that we're, we're trying to get through. Just well, they, think about they, that. You violate the Constitution. That they, that's why they wrote in immunity. Well, we could outright that immunity. <clears throat> we'll just erase that. Yeah, it doesn't anyway. take but, but one word. That's it. That's it. Well, you know, it's kind of up to you folks. What, what are you going to do? Um, I was just looking at uh, a gun control um, article. It was pretty interesting. Um, Jan Morgan writes, the gun control debate in a nutshell. I have guns. You don't want me to have them. I won't let you take them. Your move. Uh, that's interesting. That's just, yeah. The, the anti-Constitution debate is we have a Constitution. You don't want to use it. We won't let you ignore it. Your move. You know, there's one more issue, if you just would let me have just one more second here. Sure, go. Um, there's many people who don't want to join us because we're now a corporation. And um, how I explain it to the people who say that, oh, you're, 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 you're joining sides, uh, you're speaking with the Secretary of State, he helped you create your corporation, you're now going to be controlled under the laws of the corporation or whatever. And I say to those people... We, I say to them, you don't know me very well, do you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but to add to that, our mission statement from the very beginning, our mission, and the, gov- and the governor knows it, the legislators know it, the secretary of state knows it, we are the only corporation in Maine that has the ability and the capability of bringing back the Constitution, both the U.S. and the Maine Constitution. This is not going to be done by a little group here and a little group here and somebody who comes and they speak before the legislative council or any of the committees down there, and they ignore you. But we are a legitimate corporation now. We have the ability to force the legislators by the Constitution to bring back the Constitution. We are the only, we are the only corporation right now that supports both the U.S. and Maine Constitution. So we ask you to join this corporation, the only corporation that is doing that at this time, to join sides with us and let's force the legislature into respecting, reading, studying, understanding how to use it, and use it. And that's who we are. Up to their oaths. Yeah. Yep. So be that as it may. Okay. Well, Bob, any last thoughts? Well, maybe I could add this to our experience. I spoke to a a newly elected uh, state senator, and he gave me the impression that he senses within the legislature some uh, liberty-minded people, or at least uh, edging towards that. 
towards freedom and obviously, you know, towards the Constitution. So I kind of find that encouraging where he might be one that we can refer back to as we proceed with our actions here to, uh, you know, make sure that the people that he knows that might help us join on board. So I will keep in touch with that fellow. That's a good idea. And I spoke to him, too, and and I was encouraged speaking to him. Um, Very knowledgeable gentleman, and um, we still need to work with him because, um, and and I'm not patting us on the back, there's only four or five of us in the state of Maine who understand how this Constitution works, and he's willing to work with us. So I'm encouraged. I really, really am. Well, you know, folks, we we get, we use a lot of, terms and, and uh, colloquialisms, and we want government to be more efficient. You know what? Let's close with this. Government can be totally efficient. It's called dictator, because the only way government becomes more efficient is by removing more of your rights and freedom. Government can be a completely efficient machine. It will kill anyone that disagrees with it. That's the ultimate efficiency of government. If that's what you want, stay in your seats, watch the view, have another beer, and government will become totally efficient. Otherwise, Get involved. Whether you join us or not, this is not a big promotion to join us. This is get involved, wake up, pay attention. The government is becoming very efficient, folks. Scary. Thanks for joining us today, folks. We appreciate you being out there. We need some help with joining We the People of Maine, Inc., We need some folks that have committed to uh, funding the electric bill at at the uh, station to to help us out with that. We're down 50%. The station is not happy. The electric bill is rising, and we need to help pay for that. We could use some more advertising. We could use, you know, if you don't want to have your name associated with the tinfoil hat, my tinfoil hat has a felt lining in Maine, but uh, you can you can advertise with us. You can sponsor a show. We can have 24-7 Freedom Radio, but nobody wants to cough up the few bucks that it would take to do it. But a few do, and we appreciate those. Well, that's Variety. is the little convenience store in Caribou. Let's Variety is open 24-7, 365. The trails are groomed, folks. Come on up and hit the snowmobile trails in Aroostook County. Get your 24-7, 365. If it's 3 o'clock in the morning, you're still out on the trails, you can swing into Let's Variety and fill up with gas and get some hot coffee and a couple of those uh, artery-clogging donuts. They sure taste good. Let's Variety right on Sweden Street in Caribou, across from the Caribou Performing Arts Center. And John Cave and Countywide Vacuum. John sells the perfect vacuum, services the rest. John will gladly send vacuum cleaner bags or belts and all that little stuff in an envelope any place in the country. Give him a call. We are 
out there. I know we have people listening in Colorado, in Michigan, in Louisiana, uh, Panama, Brazil. Occasionally, we have some folks from Europe that are on. So we know that there's people listening out there all over the country and all over the world, in fact. So give John a call, 207-492-1492, 207-492-1492, John Caven, countywide vacuum, and uh, tell him what you need for parts and supplies. And great big health food store in Bangor, Natural Living Center, great place to shop for your supplements, your organic produce, great groceries, and they've got a wonderful cafe with food, hot coffee, organic muffins, the whole bit, lunch, whenever you want it, stop in, say hello. I get to hang out there once in a while and help people make some uh, better choices for their health and wellness. They support us. Please support them. If you're traveling a distance, give them a call, place your order, and uh, it, on bulk orders, there will be a nice discount for you And when you get there. And I'll have your name on it. You can grab it and go. Thanks for being with us today, Bob, Phil, and all the folks listening on air, and people in the chat. I appreciate you all being there. Have a great day, and we'll see you on the radio. WXME AM 780, Monticello, Holton, Presque Isle. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.